Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Focus on the Family held its annual Bring Your Bible to School Day not long ago and one of the goals in the aftermath is to encourage students to live out the Word. Danny Huerta of the ministry offers some ways in which they can actually do that. Then, the world is offering so many voices, and many, if not most, of them are not grounded in biblical truth. Plus, we receive impulses in our own hearts and minds that try to lead us astray. We need a break, and Jamie Amarine shares about enjoying rest in the Lord in the midst of a culture that is driving us and perhaps driving us away from God. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, Mary Beth Chapman, one of the co-founders of Show Hope, along with her husband, Stephen Curtis Chapman, have been working for almost 20 years in helping families to adopt. She spoke with me recently, and you'll be hearing from that conversation. Finally, perhaps he's best known for his involvement as a filmmaker in the Christian space, and Harold Kronk brings some insight into the father-son relationship and how that can be strengthened in the Lord. Well, this is The Intersection. It's a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Danny Huerta is Vice President of Parenting for Focus on the Family, and he is devoted to seeing young people thrive in their walk with the Lord. In the aftermath of the ministry's student outreach called Bring Your Bible to School Day, Focus on the Family has instituted a series of Live It Challenges, which help families to build up their faith and grow in the Lord together. With some information now, here is Danny Huerta. It's a day that is... uh a reset for many families on uh, just thinking about what is my faith? Do I truly believe in God's word or not? And then it gives an opportunity for kids to starting point, maybe to have Bible studies or prayer groups at their school and to also be able to let others know that they believe in Jesus Christ and in God's word. And from that, uh, we've had some, some tremendous stories of kids uh, bringing their Bible and opening up conversations throughout the day uh, being able to start, uh, in fact, Bible studies uh, on a weekly basis with some of their, their peers, especially in the high school environment and in college. And then uh, also just an opportunity to uh, gather around with other Christians and encourage one another. It's really about unity, uh, uniting, uh, even on social media and other ways to uh, get excited about about God's Word and what it's done in their life and and what they uh, have seen all around them, and also bringing a message of hope to a world that's needing that right now. We know mental health issues have 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 gone up, anxiety has gone up, hopelessness and helplessness has uh, become a part of of many conversations. The topic of death by suicide, depression, all those things are coming up, and then also just the news and other things are bringing many many divisive and conflictual conversations, but this uh, day was about unity, bringing hope, love to others, care for others, empathy, words that are needed within the culture today, especially with our youth, as they uh, continue to anticipate what is ahead for them and helping them see it through a lens of hope. The Libet side, as I understand it, involves a number of different challenges, monthly challenges, that actually help students as well as family members to really develop a stronger faith, to develop a a habit of interacting with the Bible and 
living according to God's word. So tell me just a bit about how these live it challenges work. Yeah, what you do first is, is you can go to bringyourbible.org and then uh, go to the live it challenge uh, area, the live it side. And from that, uh, you can just give us your name, number, email address, and phone number, and we'll, we'll actually send them to you. So we'll do all the hard work. You don't have to look for it again. It'll, be, it'll come right to your phone as a text message or as an email, and then you click that, and we've, got, we've done all the work there. You'll get um, a, a Live It Challenge, which uh, is, is a variety of things, like you said, to bolster your faith, to draw you near to Christ and to one another uh, in your faith as a family, and then with it comes a biblical pursuit as well for that month. And you guys, uh, as a family, can can do both of those together. Uh, and and that's that really when you do things together, you're more likely to follow through on them. And we've put ones that are engaging and provide sometimes quizzes, interactive things that you do as a family. And uh, like the, the one in October was about living out the fruit of the spirit as a family. And that was part of the Bring Your Bible challenge. And then in September, we had the, the memorizing of Scripture and applying it to our faith. And then what does it mean to evangelize? And, we, and my favorite one that we did this, this past year was about your personality type and, and then how we can forgive others. And we forgive others differently depending on our personalities. But the personality quiz that you got you get with that just gives you a great conversation starter on what does it mean to have different personalities and how did those play out in scripture we see matthew mark luke and john all had different personalities but we needed all their perspectives to get the full story if it would have just been matthew we would have missed some things and so as a family why do we have all these different personalities and how can we make it work well as we're doing life together and as we're pursuing uh, our life in, 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 in Christ, what, uh, what do we each contribute in our home towards the building of a steadfast faith with each other and together as, as, as a home, but also individually? How do we interact with God? So great conversation starters that we give along the way to help you uh, intentionally have conversations around faith, in following Jesus, and that's a, that's a monthly thing, and we try to make them as engaging and as fun, but also biblically based to give you the opportunity to develop a biblical worldview in your home. Danny Huerta here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website bringyourbible.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Jamie Amarine. In our recent conversation, she discussed her book entitled Rest Girl, A Journey from Exhausted and Stressed to Entirely Blessed, exploring how learning to rest in the Lord can be a powerful alternative to fear and worry. From that conversation, here now is Jamie Amarine. This is my fourth book, and um, it's been like an unraveling. Every single book has been the next unraveling, except for this one which was a little bit different because when I wrote Well Girl, there was a big, huge unraveling about um, body image and what I believe. And it was during that time that I really started thinking about what I was thinking about. And then I started thinking about Peter walking on the water. And I, I went back to that and looked at it. I'd always heard that he sunk um, because he took his eyes off of Jesus. But actually the scripture reads, he felt the wind and the waves. And it just kind of 
snowballed from there as to what we see with our eyes, what we say with our mouths, but what we truly believe. And it's funny, Bob, because as I'm saying this, I like almost have like a tingling sensation in the back of my head. Like, I'm so excited about this, about my, the words of my mouth and the the truth in my heart being in line with what I truly believe and what I want people to know and be set free in and the experiences I'm having. It's delightful and it is restful, but um, it was a, it was a, it was a journey and it still is a journey. Absolutely. Well, you used a word and I want to come back to it and have you maybe drill down just a bit. You talked about the, the process and the, the book before that, uh, before this one was called Well Girl, you got Rest Girl, and you talked about this act of unraveling, I believe that was the word mm-hmm. you used. So yeah. explain that to me. What was God doing in your heart and in your life as you really began to experience the material and and come up with the material for these books? Well, I think being a a mother is one thing that causes us all to unravel. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that unraveling is bad. And now, on the other side of it, not even in this book, but the next one and the next one, I'm assuming what I'm finding is that it's, it's culture. So much of what is weighing us down, and even in our belief, is just culture. It's what we think we have to do. We have to be at that potluck. We have to go do this. We have to do that. And then we associate those have-tos and shoulds, shouldn'ts, wouldn'ts, and wouldn'ts to our walk with he who calls himself peace. And so it can't be reconciled in our subconsciouses. It doesn't make sense. It's as if you walked in on your parents dressed up as Santa Claus. You know, we've seen too much. We've experienced too much. And in that, we're constantly in a fight-or-flight state of mind, Mm. um, you know, sitting in our lazy boys, scrolling through our phones, and our minds thinks, you know, Afghanistan is here now in our living room. And it's not that we um, don't need to know about what's going on, but Jesus told us to focus on what is good, pure, and holy. So what I think happened with me was, I was being so inundated with negativity and the rush and the 5G download and everything going so fast. There was just this habitual practice of belief that brought no comfort and brought no rest and was then also the battle inside my mind was, well, you should have faith in Jesus. And then at the same time, my mind was going, yeah, but you saw what happened to your neighbor when she had faith in Jesus or, you know, you have all these comparatives. We're, we're in a time in our um, lives where everything is coming at us so fast. There has to be a place where we can organize our brains, take those thoughts captive, mm-hmm. know the difference between a true bear chasing us and an imaginary bear chasing us, and find that rest and then remember who we are in him, who he is. Us. I mean, the greatest mystery, Christ in us. That's not like supposed to be this little side note piece of our mind that is there for, like I said, the potluck or showing up for Sunday school. That's every single piece of us being intoxicated with him to the point that 
rest is exactly who we are. And we become fishers of men, not by what we're saying, but how we're living. And people want to know, how is it that you're so happy? How is it that things are so easy? Well, because I stopped just saying I believed, and I fell in love with true belief. And walking on water. Jamie Amarine here on The Intersection. Her website address is sacredgroundstickyfloors.com. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. Also, there are links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as to the Apple Podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content. That and more can be found through the homepage at meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. You can search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast, I had the opportunity recently to talk with Mary Beth Chapman. She is co-founder, along with her husband, Stephen Curtis Chapman, of the adoption advocacy organization called Show Hope. In our conversation, she discussed several of the initiatives of the organization. Here now, from that conversation, is Mary Beth Chapman. Emily, our oldest daughter, who is now 35 years old, she was 11 at the time, she and I took a trip to Haiti with Compassion International, and really, really in particular, she was impacted by deeply by the work, um, as was I, but we came home, and she could not get it off of her heart, and really began as an 11-year-old, deeply, deeply bugging the stew out of her father and I to really consider what it would look like. Um, as a family who had room at their table, she would always say, we have room at our table. We need to consider what it would look like to bring a child into our home um, who didn't have the permanency of a family, of a, of a mother and father and brother and sisters. And so, um, you know, she was 11 years old. We didn't really want to necessarily believe her, you know, <laughs> and, and sit with that. We had our pastor come over and talk to her, and she just was just writing us notes and having contracts drawn up with her brothers of, of how they were going to all participate in this. And <laughs> what we really wanted to do was not, um, what we wanted to do is say, that's a great idea for your family someday when you grow up and have a family of your own. But what we really wanted to do was honor um, what was in her heart. And and so not not really knowing or thinking that that's where God would lead us, we did commit to begin to pray about it and really take steps of faith to go, you know what, we're just going to start you know, uncovering, turning stones over and, and, and see where God leads us. And so as a family, we kind of took a journey of faith and took one step in front of the other. And um, skipping forward to the year 2000, we brought our first daughter home, Shoei, from um, China. And it was in the hallway of a Chinese hotel where, where honestly, um, I have to say, is as they play Shoei in my arms, it was more of a of an aha moment for me that I really deeply understood my spiritual adoption. And I just kind of saw that as they play showy in my arms. It was as if Jesus was saying, hey, 
do you get this? <laughs> this is your story. Um, this is you being eternally adopted, you know, into my kingdom, not for any other reason but because I love you. And so that just put me in a in a whirlwind of what do we do with this that has been, you know, given to us. We we say that it has been gloriously hard, um, the journey of adoption. That led us to the adoption of Stevie Joy and then Maria to follow. In the meantime, Stephen and I were just contemplating how do we get this message out? How do we say there are millions of children worldwide, not just China, but globally, in our own backyard domestically, who need to know the love of a family? And um, um, and yet it obviously comes with challenges, but how can we you know, begin back in 2000 to formulate a plan to help as many people know because Stephen had a platform? And so we just said we're going to try to help as many people as we could. Back then it was more um, adoption aid. It was, you know, we would do that, but we don't have the funds to simply complete an adoption. And so um, Show Hope was founded and organized um, in 2003 after after Stephen would say, I just started writing checks to people, and he was like, okay, you're writing checks faster than I can write songs, so we need to formalize <laughs> this and, and begin begin to do this in the in the right way and, and, and have an organization. And, and so Show Hope was founded really in an effort to help Christian families um, come together through the permanency and love of adoption and, and financially helping these families, you know, begin that journey. Um, as the years have gone on, we have seen that adoption, it, it can be, um, we call it the gloriously hard journey because um, there are challenges and unique situations um, that these children um, find themselves with these kind of invisible suitcases of hard. You know, we all have hard in our life. Mm. And so, um, you know, it didn't take us, you know, too long to figure out that we needed to offer more than just financial assistance to adoption. And so over the course of the last 20 or so years, Show Hope has blossomed into four really unique areas. Um, We just try to break down the financial barrier to adoption, the knowledge barrier to adoption, and the medical barrier to adoption. And so we work in those unique areas. Um, The knowledge barrier is just really offering resources um, we call it the pre and post resources. You know, you you mentioned earlier that we we are we do this Hope for the Journey conference, which really helps give resources and tools and parents and professionals tool belts to um, to help these children from uniquely hard situations. Um, and we also offer medical care grants for families who have adopted but see these medical challenge as as a barrier. Um, we also love students. It started with a student. Mary Beth Chapman here on The Intersection. The website address is showhope.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's noted Christian filmmaker Harold Kronk, perhaps best known for his involvement with the movie God's Not Dead and its sequel. In our recent conversation, he shared about his illustrated children's book entitled The Beard Ballad, that explores aspects of the father-son relationship. From that Meeting House conversation, here now is Harold Kronk. So I have a, a young son, and I picked him up one day and kind of gave him a big nuzzle hug and rubbed my cheek against his, and he, he pushed me away. He said, Daddy, your face is all pokey and rough. And I said, those are my ferocious facial follicles. And uh, kind of in that moment, the beard ballad was, was born. Um, so the next day I went to the coffee shop where I typically write, uh, screenplays and I sat down and the, this story, the beard ballad just kind of fell out of me. 
And, um, I just, I, I wrote for about five hours straight and, uh, and I had a, a rough draft of, of the book and, um, and I refined it over the next several months and put it in a drawer for a while and then read it to some friends and people really enjoyed it. And, uh, and they said, you know what, this thing, this thing needs to, uh, to reach an audience. So I pursued it. So I'm curious. Now, this is a book that is is illustrated. You talk about writing for five hours. So did it come out originally maybe reading like a screenplay and you had to whittle it down just a bit? You know, <laughs> it, it kind of came out like a poem. I, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> growing up, uh, I was I was really inspired by Dr. Seuss and uh, Maurice Sendak, who mm-hmm. wrote Where the Wild Things Are. And so this has kind of that whimsical, fun scent, and uh, and yeah, it just it just kind of poured out of me, and and I went to refining it and brought on a, a great editor to help me clean it up and make sure my grammar was correct, and uh, so so yeah, it's been, it's been a, a fun process. So tell me about as you wrote this and were inspired along these lines with respect to the father son relationship. Just tell me what you wanted to communicate. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I've struggled with has been finding um, manly affirming stories that I could read to my son at night. And that's one of the one of the times that I, I really hold dear is, is uh, reading to both my son and my daughter at bedtime. We really enjoy that uh, that time together. And I wanted something that was a little bit more a little bit more manly. I don't know how else to, to put it, you know, something that uh, in, that was uh, for masculinity and, and, you know, it's, it's okay to be a boy and run around and, and, and chase frogs in the swamp and get dirty and, and get bruised up falling out of tree, tree forts and that sort of thing. Um, so there, there wasn't a lot out there. And uh, when I started, when I wrote the book, I'm like, man, this really is, is something that I can't wait to read to Harry. Something that I think we'll really enjoy together. And, uh, and I, I hope a lot of other fathers, and grandfathers will enjoy it with their sons and grandsons as well. There is a rather well-known beard wearer that somehow acquired a copy of this book, liked it so much that he had recorded or has recorded a, a video endorsement and, as I understand it, also writing the foreword to the book, and that would be none other than Phil Robertson, I had the, the great opportunity of, of getting to know the family a little bit while we uh, produced God's Not Dead 1 and 2. Uh, Willie and Corey uh, starred in God's Not Dead 1 for me and um, kind of built a relationship with them. And then Sadie Robertson was one of the stars of God's Not Dead 2. Uh, so when I, I wrote this book, I, I went to the executive producer of the, the God's Not Dead films, Troy Duhon. And uh, he's like, man, Harold, he says, we have a little identity crisis with our boys in this country right now. This book, it, it might have a bigger meaning than you even realize. And I said, really? He said, yes, absolutely. So he took it to the Duck Dynasty family and still read it. And, uh, and I was just I was so thankful that he wanted to come on board and, and, uh, and write the foreword for it. So as we look at these cultural winds that are blowing today, what do you see as the role of a Christian man in really passing that philosophy on that we do need to stand on truth? Yeah, I think it's I think it's essential. You know, we we have a society right now where where people are trying to be silenced if they don't have the same uh, the, the same opinion as as the popular as the popular uh, crowd right now and. 
I think that we just need to stand strong. And, and you know what? It's okay for us to have a difference of opinion and a di- difference of belief. And, and we shouldn't hate others because they have a different opinion than we do. Um, <laughs> and, and so if by spending time with our kids at home, because for me, that's where it starts, right, is, mm-hmm. is in the household. Modeling, modeling the, the behaviors and, and um, you know, things we want our children to, to see in us and what we want our, our kids to become as they get older. That's, that's the number one thing is, is trying to be the best role model we can. Harold Kronk here on The Intersection. You can learn more through the website beardballad.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. There are links to the podcast from the homepage to the Media Center as well as the Apple Podcast feed. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.